This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It was the best of time. It was the worst he wants the people's princess. To fight on the beaches. Oh, wait, man. These are the things that made England. To fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and feeble woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. So, hello everyone, and welcome to The Things That Made England. The idea of the show is to decide what things make England as she is, the country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that make England distinctive or not. Now, no one is supposing, by the way, that all or indeed any of these things are specific only to England. That would be a tall order, simply that they are an important aspect of why England is the way she is. Every month we'll come back to you, the listeners, or if it's still just my mum, the listener, to vote and decide whether each idea is deemed worthy. You are probably asking, who are we? So, in the words of Mick Jagger, please allow me to introduce myself. I am David Crowther of the History of England podcast. And I am Royfield Brown of 10 American Presidents, Dum De Dum and Mid-Atlantic. Welcome, Royfield. So look, it's important to have rules, of course, since there is no fun without rules. But there are not many rules, so don't worry. (laughs) Here they are. Firstly, it can be anything that we propose. It might be history, you know, something very serious like the provisions of Oxford in 1258, a new form of government forced on a reluctant king by the man once very famous and considered the father of parliament, once called Simon de Montfort and now called Simon the Who. Or, more controversially, it could be Scar, the one musical form that all English men feel confident to dance to. So, when I said rules, what I meant was, in fact, rule. Lastly, to vote... 
Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. Royfield, 1066, are you ready? Yes, we, we have to do that year, don't we? We have to do that year, Royfield. First of all, what are we proposing? Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than six, 1066. It hurts, <laughs> even now. Even to this day, Royfield, it still hurts that we lost. And actually, there's an advert in the Times every year where somebody puts a, a thing in the in the Times uh, lamenting the death of Harold Godwinson. It hurts for him too. It's a cataclysmic event for Anglo-Saxons in one sense. Almost the entire ruling class is replaced. I think there are nine Anglo-Saxons left in the Doomsday Book in 1086. Another point to make is that we get beaten by a fat guy with a bad haircut. Mm. It is criminal. Furthermore, the harrowing of the North, I need to mention that. Uh, in they come, they give us a beating up, and we don't like it. So despite everything you hear, you know, it's years before England settled down. You've got Harry with the Wake, you've got Edwin and Morkai, all this stuff going on, all this rebellion and discontent. So what does William do? Goes north to the Vale of York, and he lays it waste. It is a desert. Fifteen years later, when the Doomsday Book is created, there are still wasteland all over the Vale of York. Nobody's there. They're all dead. So... Oh. Not much has changed in Yorkshire in the last nine years. That's very rude. That's very rude, actually, and very inaccurate, could I just say. Who are you, actually, Royfield, and who invited you on this programme? You did. Did I? Okay, fine. So, Royfield, I'm going to make a proposition about why it should go in the Cabinet, and I'm going to make three points to you. One of the arguments is that Normans brought feudalism to England, that Anglo-Saxons have been distinctive. Another is architecture, Romanesque architecture, stone cathedrals, all the rest of it. Third point they kill off the English language for 300 years or more. Remarkable that it took so long for English to come back. So it seems to me 1066 should go in the cabinet. It's hard to disagree that this is the most iconic date in English history. So much so, we've so been brainwashed by the Norman elite that to the average person on the street, 1066 is literally the founding of the country. Right. We, we number all of our monarchs subsequently from 1066 but it has been somewhat of a bumpy ride hasn't it true for a start off um they got rid of our whole ruling elite and that has had a profound effect i.e our class structure which we we chafe against us uh proles they the normans put it in place uh, I'm not going to say that the Anglo-Saxons were a, a meritocratic society, but it was more even. Um, and what happened with the advent of the Normans was this absolute stratification, which went down into the language. So the fact that we have highfalutin terms like lingerie instead of just saying pants or knickers, ev- everything which we see as being cultured, um, we assign really to that Norman invasion and things which are guttural, i.e. Anglo-Saxon, like the good old F word, uh, are bad. And that sense of really an us and them is because of these invaders. You know, and we still chafing under the ramifications of, of that kind of cataclysm. That is true. I mean, we are, we're agreeing here, Arthur, mm. aren't we, furiously? As long as we sweep away the kind of sepia glow about the Anglo-Saxons. Uh, you're a, because you want to just be um, confrontational in, in our <laughs> mature debate. It's very hard here. to be confrontational. Um, you're assigning me to me a sepia Anglo-Saxon glow, which I don't quite have. But what I would say, though, to the other 
ramification of the invasion was that our axis moves from being kind of within the Scandinavian orbit to being in truly in the kind of Western European orbit. I would say, and it, and it is counterfactual history, that we would be a much less class-ridden society because those societies are much more egalitarian. I've always wondered how that happened. You know, mm. so you, you go from, oh, I know this is off topic, obviously, but you go from Viking to, you know, clean wooden floors mm. and egalitarianism how, and Ikea. How does that, how does that work? And they... And they did it without the jolts of revolution. So it's yeah, but anyway, anyway. So anyway, yes, we we digress. You know, my assumption is that 1066 Royfield was a bad thing. Capital B, capital T. The best team lost. And maybe that's the wrong assumption. I think you're right to say that the Victorians, when they look back at 1066, did have this view, which after saying that, I, I don't sign up to it. I do hold it in some kind of light to say that those Germanic societies were that little bit more egalitarian. Yes, there was a king or a chieftain, but he was kind of elected. Way back, there is a, an elective principle. It doesn't really come over to England very much, it's got to be said. There was the Witten, the, the council, which ceremonially did elect the new king, whereas we have primogenitor. Um, with the Normans, don't we? It's a case of, oh, that's my son, that's my firstborn, uh, now he's going to be your leader. It's true that in Anglo-Saxon culture, right up to the end, actually, you could choose any atheling, any member of the royal family. So Alfred, for example, Alfred the Great, shouldn't have succeeded by the rules of primogeniture. They actually chose him because he was the right man for the job at the right time and the, the heir by primogeniture was too young and the Vikings were trampling all over the place. Although historians tend to argue that primogeniture is actually a good thing, is it you know although it's a bit arbitrary you know you're not choosing the best at least you know who you don't get the same sort of struggles for power that you get mm. when somebody dies and also you don't have what then happened in the kingdom of france with a constant subdivision within the, the, the early holy roman yes. empire you True. know dividing it between the sons so louis charles and and you know so so i think the normans are great well no 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 that's not at all what i'm saying i'm just saying you know there are slightly swings right. and roundabouts but and you mentioned alfred the great there's another reason why i don't quite like these normans right. 1066 has literally become the founding date of england and it's not but we have Athelstan, who's the first king of England. He's literally uh, been written out of the popular consciousness of England. If you go on the Clapham omnibus, Dave, you go catch it tomorrow, catch it tomorrow, and turn to the person next to you, right, and just say, first king of England. Fine, I'll go Clapham omnibus. I'm guessing yeah. 50% right. instinctively without thinking okay. would go yeah. uh, William the Conqueror. Right. Without thinking. You don't think 50% of them would just move away and sit somewhere well, else? Well, okay. If you held them to the spot, if, they, if, they, if they've got the window seat so they can't get up and go. <laughs> you can't right. get away. Right. Yeah, right, okay, fair enough. Without thinking. I will do then, that tomorrow. Please do, and then report back. It's that just erasing of the Ethelred the Unready, Hardy Canute, King Canute, and I don't like Do you know it. the poem? William I was the first of our kings, not counting Ethelred's Egberts and things. He had himself crowned, anointed and blessed in 1060. I can't remember the rest. That is the embodiment <laughs> of exactly what you're saying. An entire culture written off as Ethelred's Egberts and things. It's, it's a crime, Royfield. It's a crime. I'm entirely with you. It absolutely, it absolutely is. Okay, let me put another proposition to you then, Royfield. So, as I think you've mentioned they bring us into the Western European mainstream. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing about thing that we're, we're brought into the European mainstream. 
Well, it's hard not to um, answer what you said there without thinking about the... You're going to mention Brexit, aren't you? You are going to mention Brexit. Convulsions that England is going through at the moment. You have to. You have to, because that's the elephant in the room with what... (laughs) Okay. All right. Yes. Brexit. Brexit. I said it. We both said it. We both said it. Um, Considering that we import our ruling class from from France, from Normandy. Our relationship with Europe has been a vexed one. I mean, I'm going to argue with you, Roy Field, that Ooh, um, much as I hate being beaten by a fat guy with a bad haircut, uh, actually it's a good thing, isn't it? Mm. That we are integrated much more closely, that we develop links, uh, that we import all this culture, you know, suddenly we're part of... It's not necessarily a good thing. I'll tell you what the Normans did bring in, a bit more washing. Anglo-Saxons... They were a stinky lot. They were a stinky lot where there were still um, Norwegians who saw themselves as Norwegians as opposed to Englishmen. They washed every Saturday. The Normans went, you know what, these people, they're a bit riffy. And, you know, they did upper hygiene. I'll give them that. Is that right? You're telling me that Normans wash more than once a week? Uh, I mean, why would you do that? uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think you're revealing a little bit too much about um, the... uh, Mm, Okay, let's move away from that. Where the the Normans did did move things on a little was in the business of architecture. I'll give them that. Okay, good. Yes, I think probably have to. A big improvement in the architectural front, although not much survives of Anglo-Saxon. What about the language thing, Mm. Royfield? So is it, the story is that English, despite being wiped out by Norman French for a while, in terms of the ruling class anyway, then makes a comeback and 300 years later we have Middle English and uh, well done English. Is that... Is that the right story? Is that, you know, is that what we should be celebrating? Is it a good thing for our language or a bad thing? Well, I, I, I don't think you can say that it's good or bad. It just happened, isn't it? We, you know, it, it, exactly. Thing. It's just a thing. Um, it's Frisian is the Dutch dialect, which is supposed to be the closest to English, isn't it? So I suppose the answer is go listen to Frisian, the cadence of Frisian. And if you like it, well, then you think it was a bad thing. And if you don't like it, then the, the Normans coming over, it was a good thing. <laughs> it's as simple as that, really. Well, actually, it's interesting. My grandfather came from the Dales, mm-hmm. and he used to say, apocryphally or not, that a Dalesman speaking, you know, r- real local Dalesman, could under- understand a Frisian, which is quite an interesting comment, I thought. Possibly rubbish. But I think what I'm going to argue is that there is a vernacular tradition in Anglo-Saxon England, which is very vibrant. And that gets knocked back for, well, you know, 300 years. So although at the end of it, you know, we come up with this language is more varied because it has has some French influence and we get these lovely, you know, as you've mentioned, these lovely dual words, you know, pork and pork and pig kind of thing. Yet for 300 years, vernacular English culture is wiped out. Well, it it wasn't it wasn't completely uh, wiped out was it the vernacular you're on about it is the code written in, written, in written form exactly. people exactly. spoke it but exactly uh, and yeah. i think the most important thing which sets english apart from other other languages other indo-european languages anyway had already happened was the fact that we don't have any genders for anything so the fact that those the 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 fact that um viking that the language of the vikings scandinavian was different but still close enough to the language of the Anglo-Saxons and the one big bone of confusion was gender 
that that was done away with that actually happened before the Normans. So that had happened be- just before the Normans. So, so it shows you the strength of English vernacular because, you know, the, the French came in with all of their gender this and gender that, but but it didn't stick. It's interesting, actually, the remarkable thing about the the triumph, if that's, that's the right word, or the fact that English vernac- vernacular comes back is not that that happens, but that it takes so long for it to happen. And apparently the theory is that actually it's the language of of the people rather than the language of of the court of the you know the ruling class it's the language of the people that normally wins mm-hmm. because the lang- the people can't you know especially in the, that that far back they can't la- learn the new language because they're not literate they don't, they don't go to school they haven't got those skills so it's the ruling class that have to learn the language mm. of the people they're ruling and therefore it's the oppressed language if you like that wins in that situation not the language of course. Interesting, I thought. That that is very interesting. I am of West Indian origin. So my folks or my ancestors at some point were dragged kicking and screaming from Africa and, and, and dumped in, in the West Indies. And as slaves, as chattel, they were not allowed to speak yeah. their own language. So all the various um, African slaves come from various African tribes. So, and, the, and I suppose on the one hand, they were told um, you don't speak your own language on point of death because um, the slaveholders needed to understand what they were saying. But then also because they're all mixed up, English was the lingua franca of the slaves. And again, it just goes to underline how different, how separate up yes. in their big Norman castles, the Norman rulers yeah. were that they didn't bother to impose uh, Norman French actually on the English. But still, if you take just the words that they bring into the English language, which are considerable, very obviously, but the very fact that our aristocracy speak with a different accent is another echo of 1066 because they were... Right, another echo of difference. Exactly, exactly. It's just just that little, little, Mm. little echo that they were up in their castles doing their own thing uh, uh, you know certainly i mean I, I think i'm gonna have to be with you on the uh, on the class difference thing we think that comes in from the normans i'm gonna go with that not sure i've got a lot of evidence to back it up but i'm gonna go with that good so actually, are we gonna put it in the cabinet this 1066 thing is it significant is it what what makes the english english well we, we have to really don't we we have we do, to. Don't we? It, it is our seventeen seventy six. It's our seventeen eighty nine. It's it's all every seventeen seventy six. What's that then? <laughs> I'll trade this day. Obviously, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, every other major european nation well nation right. on the planet has some kind of founding date even if they were Actually, i'm not going to go with that royfield i'm not going to go with that you're pushing me too hard here you're pushing me too hard i thought i was being really reasonable you're going to tell me that 1066 is our foundation year well no but remember is that what david, you're saying david david just want you to be what clear. did i say to you <laughs> what did i say to you at the start of this podcast i said if you to ask the average person in the street right you know yeah yeah, yeah exactly. And then you came out and you had that wonderful poem, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not right. It's wrong. Yes. But it's so been seared. But we need to change it. What are we going to do? Is it for you and I with this podcast to overturn almost a thousand years of normal indoctrination on the English name? <laughs> we can do it, right? <laughs> we can do it. Well, we can do it. It starts, it right. starts okay. here. 
Okay. Uh, what year are we going to pick? What foundation well, we have year to are we going to pick, pick? The crowning of Athelstan, don't we? Where he is seen as the, the king of all the English. He wasn't right. seen as the king of England, was he? He was king of all the English. But this king is this English. is your area. Yes, I'd say that's absolutely accurate. So I'm, I, it's that's nine something, nine thirty four, but early nine twenty seven. Reaching for a date, round about there. So it's something like that, isn't it? What about Alfred the Great? He's the guy who says. No, he's like he's our he's our Benjamin Franklin, isn't he? He's a bit of a pre- precursor, right? You think so? A voice crying loud in the yeah, wilderness. Exactly. Okay, you think? Yeah, well, it certainly is not England then. Okay, well, maybe it is Athelstan. And it's a rehabilitation of Athelstan. It is. Everybody can remember him. We need to reclaim okay. Athelstan. We're going to reclaim it, That's Rockford, what we need you to and do. me now. I'll Absolutely. knock out the placard and we will go and walk the streets of London <laughs> tomorrow. We, we can go via Clapham. You know what we should do, David? We, we should write it. We should write the placard hey, in Old English. Really, let's really make that the point. That is such a good idea. That is actually just Athelstan, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I can do that. Right, we're there. Trafalgar Square, tomorrow, five-ish, five in the morning? Uh, I'd, I'll have to check the flights from SFO, <laughs> from San Francisco Airport to okay, Heathrow. Fine, but if I can, Fair make, I will. Right, okay, fine, brilliant, great idea. So, okay, so it's going it's going in the cabinet, but it's not going in the cabinet because it's a foundation year. Is that an acceptable compromise? Yes, because you know what? That's at the very core of being English, compromise. There you go. That's right, isn't it? Well, actually, what we should really do then is say, well, it's not 1066. We'll have half of it. You can have half. <laughs> I'll have the other half. So the foundation year is 533 or whatever it is. A, a nonsensical exactly, British exactly. compromise. Fantastic. Make- Love it. Right. Brilliant. What a rifle. So we think it's going in the cabinet. We are, however, going mm-hmm. to put that up um, on the Facebook site, and you can all vote and tell us whether you think 1066 ought to go into the cabinet or not. And 5.30 tomorrow morning, Trafalgar Square, banners, Athelstan, rules okay, or something worse to that effect, in original Anglo-Saxon, be there or be square. I may be square, actually. So we'll be back next week with another topic. Cool. Great. And these are the things that made England. England and St. George. These are the things that made England. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. 
Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.